Thank you for the opportunity to speak. I acknowledge Vice-Chancellor Martin Bean, Attorney-General Martin Pakula, Associate Professor Penelope Weller and Mark Farrell, Head of the Graduate School of Business and Law here at RMIT. I want to talk a little, about, a little about legal aid and to encourage RMIT in directions that would improve our world at work. Victoria Legal Aid is a large employer, funder and contractor of social justice lawyers. We purchase the expertise of clinicians and assessment staff in support of our clients who are all acutely disadvantaged in some way. We assisted over 90,000 clients last year. We work hand in glove with the private profession, pro bono firms and over 40 community legal centres. We are participants in therapeutic courts that look beyond and try to solve the presenting legal problem. We are an employer of social workers and other non-legal advocates in our independent mental health advocacy service. We have successfully delivered lawyer-led, non-adversarial family dispute resolution services for highly conflicted families for over 10 years by combining the best learnings from social sciences and the law. Just this week, we commenced seeing clients through a new health and justice partnership based out of Sunraysia Community Health in Mildura. In coming months, we will release the actions we will take to Im improve child protection legal services for children and parents, our fastest growing and second largest legal program. Why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you this because we need good laws and good people to help us deliver real justice for our clients, members of the Victorian community, the people we care for. So what can RMIT uniquely do to advance real justice that Victoria Legal Aid, Victoria Legal Aid alone cannot? What does RMIT's catch cry, ready for life and work, really mean in a social justice lawyering setting? In answering that question, I must first acknowledge where we are and why we are gathered. Tonight is both a celebration of the 10-year Juris Doctor offering and an opportunity to reflect on our past, our present and future. So I acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations as the traditional owners of the land we are gathered on, because this land was never ceded or freely given. I pay my respect to Elders past and present and those leaders who are emerging as well as Elders from other communities who are with us here tonight. Despite the renovation, Old Melbourne Jail for me is still a sobering place. It hasn't always been a place of celebration. But things change and for every tale of despair we hope for another of hope and redemption. In the abstract, this can amount to a belief in the power of the human spirit to overcome life's disadvantages or its random acts of cruelty. But in the daily grind, in the emotionally taxing nature of social justice lawyering, it generally requires real experience of a client succeeding. 175 years ago, two Tasmanian Palawa men, Tanaminawait and Mulbahina, did not succeed, for they were executed just outside of this building. History records that most of the Melbourne population turned out to watch as the two men slowly strangled to death in a bungled hanging. The former Assistant Protector of Aboriginal People wrote, such an affecting, appalling, disgusting, execrable scene my eyes never saw. Tanaminawait and Mulbohina were the first people to be hanged in Victoria. They were part of a small group of Tasmanian Aboriginal men and women 
brought here by the Chief Protector of the Port Phillip Aboriginal Protectorate to help him subdue the Victorian Koori people. When two white whalers were murdered, Tanaminawait and Mulbahina were reported to have been seen in the area. Their defence counsel, Redmond Barry, argued that half the jury should consist of people able to speak their language, but Judge John Warpole Willis disagreed. At that time, only men with an income of at least £30 per annum from personal property had the right to sit on juries. The jury found Tanaminawait and Mulbahina guilty, but recommended that mercy be shown given the circumstances. Judge Willis disagreed, and so did the popular press. The two men were sentenced to death. The judge said that the punishment was designed to, I quote, inspire terror to deter similar transgressions. The Port Phillip Herald reported that there was no doubt about the justice of the sentence and that their execution was the imperative duty of the authorities to vindicate the impartiality of British law. The impartiality of the law. Sometimes the law is just wrong. Sometimes it is poorly administered. Sometimes it is abused. Often the law's theoretical protections remain out of reach for those without power and resources who need them most. Sometimes social movements are needed to change the law for the better. Put another way, not all law is lawyer-led and nor should it be. But the rule of law is our best defence against the use of oppressive power to restrict rights. It is neither perfect nor absolute. Traditionally, our institutions have taught law students to think like lawyers, to dispassionately apply an impartial rule of law. On this reading, a lawyer's professional expertise is limited to identifying and applying relevant legal rules and principles. To act on a client's instructions, to positively not be their social worker. For many lawyers, this is the ultimate act of agency and autonomy they can provide their client. Without judgment or coercive controls about service entitlements, they are free to enact people's rights. Unfortunately, for many lawyers, this pure existence represents the end of their professional curiosity. They meet, interact and may butt heads with social workers and members of the caring profession, but remain mystified by its subjectivity and reliance on relationships ahead of rights. They mix like oil and water. Similarly, the professionalisation of social work in this era of conditions and mutual obligation and its place at the vanguard of taxpayer-funded programs to overcome disadvantage make it a social justice force to be reckoned with, a positive partner for social change. So why the oil and water? Basically, we haven't tried hard enough. As good a progress as has been made, the intersection between law and social work in social justice settings is mostly misunderstood. In a perverse way, people aligned in spirit to do good things are often forced to clash and must apply different and sometimes incompatible philosophical constructs to their work. This is certainly true in child protection and in some medical settings when competing rights are at play. A brave and industrious few have walked that mile in someone else's shoes but have generally had to make and break two separate careers to do so. It should be easier to gain appreciation of that other professional's purpose and constraints. 
without respect for the contribution each profession's set of rules can play in the hope for success owed to each individual client, their chance, our respective client's opportunity to overcome their predicament and to move forward with dignity is diminished. In my mind, each profession, concerned as it is with social justice, has an ethical obligation to learn more and to understand more about the other. I say this not to prefer or to change the DNA of either profession, but to ensure there is respect and an abiding curiosity for each with the other. In tangible and practical terms, ready for life and work in social justice lawyering would see fewer law commerce and law arts degrees and more law social work dual degree holders. The workforce I prefer is principled, adaptable, knowledgeable, resilient, empathetic and concerned to elevate human dignity in individual and systemic ways to a first order priority for our community and its body politic. Taking a deeper look at the history of this place, of the experiences of Tanaminawait and Mulwahina and the current rate of incarceration of Aboriginal people 175 years on, demonstrates that there is more to this lawful story. Because the awful and increasing rate of Indigenous overrepresentation in prison and in out-of-home care has been achieved under the full gaze of the law. The law, fortressed by its solemnity and hollowed out by statements that we will close the gap, are themselves not enough. There must be movements for social change, for talked about change to stick, and the law itself is slow to move. Some, in fact, would argue that it is not the law's job to mark social change, and they may well be right. This is why innovation in legal education is so critical. Talking about the Uluru Statement, Professor Megan Davis recently said, the one thing my people have never given up on, despite forensically documenting in our collective memory the capacity of law to oppress, is the capacity of law to redeem. I agree. Inherent within the law is the power, the flexibility and the creativity to be a force for social change. But achieving this takes advocates who not only see the instrumental value of the law to achieve justice, but who also understand the broader context in which legal problems arise. At VLA, the law is not about the free movement of capital, markets and regulations. It's about real people. Every day, our courts and tribunals overflow with stories of human suffering, tragedy and redemption. Social justice lawing in this arena requires more than the application of dispassionate, impartial legal principles. Social justice lawing requires these skills and more, a mindset framed in the crucible of higher learning that is compassionate and alive to the full suite of the human experience. It takes courageous universities to shape this mindset and our legal fraternity. While the law requires us to depersonalise, social work demands that we engage with the personal. While social work prioritises relationships, the law prioritises rights. Living a life of dignity usually involves both. Being connected to others fulfils part of what it is to be human. Exercising personal autonomy and freedom of choice before the law is also intrinsically important to the human condition. So on behalf of Victoria Legal Aid, I congratulate RMIT's Juris Doctor program on your 10-year anniversary and offer our encouragement for your planned new law and social work combined program. Thank you very much.